everybody, Jimmy Smith. Today on the MMA on Sirius XM podcast, I talk to UFC lightweight Hanato Moicano about his win at UFC 281 and his F-bomb-filled post-fight interview. Great stuff. Also, I examine if the UFC should re-sign the underground king, Eddie Alvarez. Are there some exciting fights left for him under the UFC banner? Oh, that is the man himself, Hanato Moicano. We have him yet again, this time not post-fight, but, you know, on my show. Uh, great to see you, Hanato. Drop all the F-bombs you want, by the way. We're totally okay <laughs> with that here on SiriusXM. So, my man, so many people talking about that post-fight interview. Let's start with that that energy. It seemed like you had a lot built up, man, that you wanted to talk about, that you wanted to let go. What was on your mind during that post-fight interview, man? Ah, what's up, everybody? What's up, Jimmy? Thank you for having me here. And it's a pleasure for me to talk about MMA and all that stuff. So thank you so yeah. much. And like, I, I don't really know. I, I was not like thinking about what I would say after a win. Uh, my only, my only like, uh, I, I was feeling like I should say something about the rankings, you know, because I really felt like people were disrespecting me because... I, I am a top fighter. I have to be on the rankings. And and today I just got the, the news that I am 13 and lightweight. So I'm really happy. But the whole interview, I didn't think about that. When I saw Joe Rogan, I, I love podcasts. I love talk about MMA. I love listening podcasts. So when I saw him and I thought he, he only would uh, uh, interview and commentate the main card, I was surprised and... And I say a lot of shit and a lot of f words. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 here's here's a, here's a debate, man. Here's something that I've talked about a lot on this show, where it seems like, you know, uh, for example, Islam Makachev gets a title fight at 155, having not defeated a single fighter who was in the top ten at the time. Right? He beat Dan Hooker by Kimura, beat Bobby Green, Thiago Moises. He hadn't beaten a ranked guy. It seems yeah. like. If you fight ranked guys and you take your L's, right, you have the occasional loss, it hurts you a lot more than if you fight six or seven scrubs and get six or seven in a row. Is that part of what was frustrating to you? Yeah, you had your losses, but you took on the best guys, Fiziev, Dos Anjos, Korean Zombie, Jose Aldo. Those are the best guys in the division, yeah. and you're going to take your losses. Is Cubs it frustrating? Yeah, so yeah is it frustrating? Yeah, yeah it, 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 is, it, it is, but I understand the game now. Uh, before I didn't understand the name, the game, like in my third fight in UFC, I fought Jeremy Stevens at the time. He was number five at the rankings and I beat him. So I made like $20,000 was really, really, really low for, for a top five fight. But nowadays I'm living in America and I, I understand a little bit more the, the business side of it. And that's why I want to talk about and because right now uh, to fight a, a top 10, a top five, I have to get a lot of money, you know, it's not like before. So I feel like uh, I was just like because I was nobody before uh, before UFC, you know, so I didn't have a, a, a name. I didn't have a background in martial arts. I, I, I am good at MMA, but people didn't know me. So I had to took the fight so people can uh, know me. And I, I feel people are starting to, to know my name, know my style, know my game. And I feel this is the right moment to take advantage of that. 
has that been a big change? I remember when Sugar Sean O'Malley came out and said that same thing. Dude, I'm not fighting a top five guy until I get top five money. And it wasn't yeah. that he said that. It was that the MMA audience kind of went, yeah, yeah, I, I understand that. It seems like five or ten years ago, that guy's considered, oh, you're scared. You know what? Yeah. It's, like the, the, it's like the fan base understands now, like you said, the economics of the sport. Is that something you've seen a change in, man? Yeah, of course, because yeah. people are understanding. Because back in the day, like this sport was built on valetudo, you know, and it was something like to defend your honor and your team and your and like BJJ or boxing or all that stuff. But right nowadays is a sport, and UFC wants to be like NFL, so we have to build up our careers like NFL, like uh, soccer, like all all, all these. A big revenue sport, so we have to f- have managers and we have to have people helping us with social media and contracts and all that stuff, so we can get the best of it, you know. And nowadays, I think fans are starting to to make that change, and they say, of course, doesn't make any sense. You you when you fight a, a guy in the top five, getting getting low money, you know, is big uh like big the risks you have to be bigger uh uh re- rewards so i feel people understand way 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 better right now so i'm speaking of That's course I mean. to Han- i'm speaking of course to Hanato Moicano um of course you looked great against Brad Riddell but that was not your first fight at 155 took off took on Dos Anjos at 55 took on Alexander Hernandez at 55 that move up from 45 to 55 how has that felt physically has it changed your performances are camps easier how has it been at 55 man everything is is better right now you know because uh, I have four fights in 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 55 three finishes and one fight I went all five rounds with a former champion in a four day notice so this is show uh the, the the three finishes show how good I am on striking and in the jiu-jitsu because I would dominate these guys on the striking and I put them down and I uh, finish them and against the those angels uh, the, that fight show how tough I am and how like imagine it with a full training camp imagine if if I had like the sparring sessions because I was really on vacation. I was really drinking beers. I was really not preparing myself. <laughs> and doesn't matter. Like like I say on the interview, I don't give a shit. I'm here for the money. So they offer me good money. Let's go. I'm gonna take advantage of this opportunity. And that's what I did. So after the fight, even though I lost, people start to recognize me as a force on the division. And after that. Uh, UFC gave gave me this opportunity to fight uh, Riddell on, on Madison Square Garden, and again I prepare myself. I did the best training camp of my life, and I put on a show for the fans. So I'm feeling really, I feel really happy. I feel uh, my my choices, my uh, the things that I change in my life, they are they are worth, and they are like paying dividends right now. So I'm just I'm going to keep in focus on what I have to do and climb the rankings and get more money and get more opportunities and get well known for uh, of the fans I, I i want to bring i want to to have a big brand a big name in this division show the world how good i am now uh brad riddell coming in that fight ckb guy he had lost his last two um against tough guys of course you know tough challenges of course rafael fazia knocked him out then he lost to jalen turner I was sitting there going, man, he needs this. Three in a row is a tough spot to be in. 
Did you expect basically the the best Brad Riddell coming into that fight? Yeah, yeah, because because uh, I expected that because I thought if if it was me, I would train even harder, you know, because I had I had in this position I have been in this position before when I lost to Aldo and Zombie, I was not in a good place mentally and and it was really hard for me to to make the weight because I'm a big 55er right now. But when I was 45, I had to struggle a lot to make the weight. So especially on the zombie fight, I was really drained. And I thought, man, that, this is it. I have to, I have to work harder than ever because I, I'm not gonna, I, I don't wanna get, I don't wanna be uh, uh, fired. You know, I don't wanna leave UFC. I, I know I have, I, I know I have good stuff to show to people yet. So I put on the work and I put on, uh, I, I, I. I clean everything, you know, that was not good, like diet and all that stuff. I changed divisions and, and I didn't, I did changes in my training camp and to me it was good, but I feel, I don't know, I don't know what happened with Riddell, but uh, I was expecting the best Riddell, you know, but I, I cannot tell how did he feel on, on how was his training camp, but I, I am always think that I'm going to fight the best version of the of my opening uh talking to hanato moicano of course victorious at usc 281 so looking back at those fights with jose aldo korean zombie obviously jose aldo a legend i, I call him the best at 145 of all time what do you learn from those kind of fights taking on a legend like that and standing up with him and all of these things what do you learn from those fights although they were both losses how did they make you better as a fighter the jose aldo fight uh, uh, what I take from this defeat is yeah. is is like is nothing is nothing personal, you know. It's just business. But when I like he was my idol when I was like before I was a, a MMA fighter. He always was like a Brazilian idol. And when I when I signed the contract to fight him, I didn't wanna on, on the back of my head. I mean, man, this is gonna be tough. This is gonna be hard. And when I when I see him in another side of the cage it was like uh, I was too emotional, you know. But he's a he's a champion. He he's he always been really good, and you know. But I made a shift in in, my, in like mindset, and I thought now this is business. Now this is to make money because I don't want to be in the same position again, you know, fighting an idol or, or think like too emotional, uh, you know. So. I think that's what I what I what I take for for this fight. The zombie fight, what I take was I was in the wrong division because I killed myself to made weight. It was a really hard weight cut, and it showed me like maybe sometimes lost less weight and be healthier is better than have a great training camp because that camp I had a great training camp, but. To, to, to cut the weight was really hard and I feel like this is time to go to the lightweight and thanks God I did that because now I feel better than having the training and in my life, you know, because I don't have to cut that crazy amount of weight and I don't have to be in diet the whole year so I can live, you know. 
Speaking to Hanato Moicano, you're in a great position, right? It just got announced. Alexander Volkanovsky is going to be taking on Islam Makachev at 155. Alexander Volkanovsky is not a big 145-pounder, right? He's not even big at 45. He's considered small. Uh, yeah. And Islam Makachev, a big physical 155-er. What are your thoughts on him going up to 55 to take on uh, uh, Makachev? Do you think it's a good idea? You fought in both divisions. No, I don't think it's a good idea. I, but, but uh Volkanovski is crazy good because like you say before I fought Aldo I fought Zombie I fought Ortega I fought all the light, all the featherweights the top ranked featherweights and he he just demolished them you know so uh, I had tough fights with these guys and Volkanovski just uh he just beat them so bad so I feel man this guy is special he's really like he beat Max Holly three times, so the guy is really special. But I feel like the the difference in in, in size and weight is gonna be too much for him because even even though Volkanovski is a good fighter, Makachev is bigger and have bet, better wrestling background. You know, has a great great camp like with Khabib. So I don't think it's a good idea for Volkanovski. But it's MMA. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, when, when you look at it, the, the, the move to 155 for you, um, you have a skill set where you can go a lot of different places, right? And, and for Charles Oliveira, same thing. He was a 145-pounder, but his versatility, his, his ability to, to, to be dangerous in all areas, let him move up and down in weight class. Is that it for you, that in order to move in weight class, you got to be able to do everything? Yeah, I think, I think it was just uh, because I, I remember – uh, watching Charles and other Brazilians and Brazilians they have this this thing that we think you have to lo- lose a lot of weight so in Brazil everybody l- uh, lose like 20, 25, 25 pounds 30 pounds sometimes like it's pretty normal and when I went here in America I saw like people they they compete in, in, a, in a better weight classes they don't cut as much as weight as Brazilians and I feel like this is better, you know. So I, I I don't know if it's just like because you have to be good in every area. I think this is, of course, is good. But I feel like if you're healthy, sometimes it's better than you are bigger. But if you have a lot of trouble to cut weight, you know, because cut weight is really hard. So I feel I feel nowadays people are moving to having to to be like lighter on the divisions, so they don't have to cut. Uh, that crazy amount of weight, and I think this is beneficial to to everybody in long terms, you know. So I feel it's just it's just MMA evolving and people getting uh, like uh, Gilbert Durinho, the same. He, the guy used to to cut a lot of weight. All the Brazilians, I lem- I, I remember back in the day, Thiago Pitbull, Thiago Alves. He used to oh, be yeah. like or, or Chibau. Glayson Chibau, everybody was used to look these guys and say, you see, if you want to be competitive, if you want to be in UFC, you have to cut like 30 pounds, 25 pounds. But nowadays it's not like that. Like you say, see Volkanovski, he doesn't cut a lot of weight and he's one of the best in the world. So I feel it's just a change of mindset. It's not about skills, you know. Uh, so did you get a chance to see the Pereira Arasanya fight from the back uh, when, when, when after your fight? And, and what do you think of the new champ at 185, man? No, I, I, at the time I was in the media, like in the conference, uh, speaking with reporters and all that stuff. But 
to yesterday I went home and I watched the whole card, Frank Edgar and the whole card and, and Pereira, and it was a really good fight. And what surprised me that they both they tried takedowns. Adesanya and Pereira, I think on the third, he he shoot for a single leg, change for a double leg and, and run the pipe and it was a beautiful takedown technique by two great strikers and I feel it was a was a really good fight. And at the end I was surprised by by how Pereira has like good recovery in his power because to to get beat the way he was in the first rounds and come back like that and knocking the champion out like that, like Adesanya, it's unbelievable. What a story, right? Three three finishes against one of the best fighters in the world, two in kickboxing, one in MMA. I feel this is why people love MMA. It's just a beautiful sport. And I was really happy to watch the fight. And I was, was really happy about having another Brazilian champion. And I hope this is motivating Brazilians to keep it pushing and to keep it climbing the rankings. And I hope I hope one day I will be this Brazilian champion in the lightweight. Well, Renato, I've loved seeing you at 55. I loved watching you at 45. This new lease on your career has really been amazing, man. Best of luck to you. Renato Moicano, UFC lightweight now. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, everybody. And keep following us. Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Bully Ray and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here. From WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more, we talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM Channel 156. Dana White was asked about the possibility of bringing back Eddie Alvarez at the post-fight press conference for UFC 281. Here's what he said. Have you talked to Eddie and his team at all in this free agency about maybe bringing him back? Eddie hit me up a couple, uh, a couple days ago, yeah. Um, but no, we haven't had any serious conversations. Does it interest you having him back? Um, you know, I, I think that... Eddie is at a point in his career where, you know, we're always trying to bring in young up and coming guys that, that, that um, you know, hopefully can be world champions some days. That, that's what we really look for. Right. So not Eddie Alvarez. I like Eddie a lot. Hung out with him in uh, L.A. when I did the press conference for one. OK, um, I've known him for a long time. A legend in the fight game, champ everywhere, right? The underground king doesn't know how to have a boring fight. But I agree with Dana White in that, you know, 155 is a, a meat grinder. There just isn't a lot of opportunity for Eddie Alvarez to sneak in there and win a world title, right? Like he did against Rafael Dos Anjos before losing it to Conor McGregor. But on his official Twitter, Eddie Alvarez, hey, brother. At Michael Chandler MMA, at UFC, I think it's time for round three. Rest up, champ, then give these fans what they want. Eddie Alvarez talking about taking on Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler, the same press conference we just played the audio from, said, Eddie and I have got some history. 
Eddie and I have made some magic in there. Eddie was a former UFC champion. I would love to see him come back here and get thrown back into the mix. And there ain't no way that he and I are not fighting if he comes back to the UFC. So I love the idea of that fight. Eddie is now 38 years old. Right? So, you know, past his physical prime. Um, at one, where he went after the UFC, he never won a title. Um, had some entertaining fights, for sure, but was never a contender over there. His tenure at one, right? He went over, fought at one championship, New Era, then Dawn of Heroes, then won on TNT 1, and won on TNT 4. Fought four times. One win, one no contest, two losses. That was his record in one. That is the difficult. The difficult part of this. He didn't go to one and win a title All right, right now, right? Demetrius Johnson tearing it up at one. If he came back, he'd come back with a lot of momentum. He'd come back with a one championship at 135, all right? Eddie doesn't have that. But, and I want your opinion about it, 877-FIGHT-93, 877-344-4893. Should the UFC bring Eddie Alvarez back? As Dana White says, we want the next champion, right? We don't want the last champion. We don't want the guy who was champ a while ago. We want the next champion. And I understand that. But there is always room in the UFC for, and I'm sticking to 155 here, the Joe Lazans of the world. The Jim Millers of the world, right? The Clay Guidas of the world. Darren Elkins, okay? All of those... Jeremy Stevens, when he was in the UFC. Um, There are always those fighters who aren't going to fight for a title, and none of the fighters I just mentioned ever fought for a title. Okay, Um, But they're going to give you everything they have every time they fight. They have a special connection with the fans, and they will 100% give you everything they have. They will give you fan-friendly fights. Every time. Eddie Alvarez is just one of those guys. He just is. He's just one of those guys. And bringing him back and putting him in those kinds of fights, the, the rub here, and what Dana White is saying without saying it is, yeah, if we'll come back for X amount of dollars, right? That's, that's the problem, right? Is um, I don't know how expensive Eddie Alvarez is, is. I have no idea what he's commanding these days. Okay, so usually a free agent like that is going to want a decent amount of money. And Dana White just might go, look, you know, you're not worth free agent money right now. You aren't. So the way I look at it is if they can get him for the right price, why not a trilogy with Michael Chandler? Right. Why not some showdowns with some tough guys at 55? Why not some exciting fights? Right. Co-main event of a fight night, opening up a a pay-per-view card, stuff like that. They'll do it, but they don't want to pay a lot of money for it. And that's the undercurrent of what Dana White, is, Dana White is saying here. But here's the deal. And there isn't any other way to say it. Michael Chandler is going to have to fight people like Eddie Alvarez from here on out. Michael Chandler says, oh, all I need is a top three ranked guy and I can be fighting for a title again. No, you're not going to get one of those guys. You're not going to beat one of those guys. It is not a surprise that Michael Chandler 
has yet to win a fight in the UFC that went past round two. It's not a surprise that the two guys he's beaten in his two and three run were Tony Ferguson on the back nine of his career and Dan Hooker, perhaps once again, on the back nine of his career. Leading into last Saturday is one and four in his last five fights. So those top three guys, those elite guys, the Justin Gaethys, already lost to Justin Gaethys. Dustin Poirier, already lost to Dustin Poirier. Charles Oliveira, already lost to Charles Oliveira. When you say I want another top three guy, you've already lost to the top three guys. The Eddie Alvarez is where I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be a fun scrap. Woo! All right? That is the kind of fight Michael Chandler is going to have to have from here on out. You can be a fight of the night guy or you can be a contender kind of guy. I think we know after last Saturday, one of the questions that was answered when I said, oh, you know, like, what did we learn last Saturday? One of the questions that has been answered is Michael Chandler is not an elite fighter. He's not a top five guy. He can fight those guys and have entertaining scraps for sure. But so could Joe Lazan. So could Clay Guida. So could Jim Miller. So could Darren Elkins. So could a lot of guys who never fought for a title. He's not consistent enough and well-rounded enough to be elite. So, guys like Eddie Alvarez, who aren't going to fight for a title or just going to have fun fights if he comes back to the UFC, are the kind of fights Michael Chandler has to get used to. Forget calling out the champ. Forget calling out number two. Those days are over. You are a fight-of-the-night guy. You are a Cowboy Cerrone. Love watching him fight. I'll always pay money to see him, except in a title fight. Should the UFC re-sign Eddie Alvarez? Now, what do they want out of Eddie? That's an excellent question. Um, As Dana White said at the post-UFC 281 press conference, we generally want the next champion. We generally want the tough up-and-comer. We want the one you may not have heard heard of, but can kick some ass at 155 and get on the radar. That's true. But what about the fighter that leaves it all on the line and you know is guaranteed to have exciting fights with anyone they fight? Eddie Alvarez, 100% that guy. I don't believe sitting here, November 15th, 2022 that Eddie Alvarez ever fights for a title again I don't think he gets close to fighting for a title again he probably doesn't have a winning record in the modern UFC if he comes back it's not an insult he's 38 years old oh my god Ariel are you all right you look like you made a horrified face 38 years old and still fighting can you believe that can you believe it? No, right? it's just, it's it's too much. Right, it's too much, right, Ariel? This guy is 30 and 8 with two no contests in there, all right? This is a guy who started his MMA career in 2003. Ariel was like four or something, okay? Okay, shut up. She was three in 2003, all right? This guy started his career in 2003. I called... His fight in Bellator, the first one I ever called him was, was his fight against Josh Neer, by the way. Bellator 17. That was 2010. Right? That was 12 years ago. 
The guy's been around all over the place. He's not, you know, his, his best years are probably behind him. But he can still have exciting fights. It's all about the cost value of Eddie Alvarez. How much money is he asking for to come back to the UFC? If he does get signed, I would love to see him fight Chandler again. Why not? I think Chandler probably wins at this point. Simply because Chandler, the Chandler Alvarez of 2022 is closer to the Michael Chandler who beat Eddie Alvarez the first time than the Eddie Alvarez of 2022 is to the Eddie Alvarez who beat Michael Chandler in the rematch, right? Eddie's just been through a lot more in those intervening years, and he's a lot older. So uh, Chandler probably wins, but it's an exciting fight, right? Eddie Alvarez versus some of that up-and-coming talent you want to sign. Eddie Alvarez versus that guy coming in from Contender Series. Eddie Alvarez versus somebody coming in from the Ultimate Fighter who's doing great things. I think he's an excellent gatekeeper. He's always going to give you an exciting fight. He'll always test a fighter who thinks there's something great. Now, is it worth what Eddie Alvarez wants to get paid? Hmm, that's the big question. Question for you, Jimmy. Please. Rather than have Eddie Alvarez... If you, if you brought him back, if you had a UFC, rather than have him kind of do the gatekeeper role, do you just run right through basically the rematch tour? It's him versus Michael Chandler. It's him versus Poirier. It's him versus Justin Gaethje. All those. Dos Santos. Yeah, all of them. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be fun. The problem is, is that the vast majority of those guys beat him, I think, pretty substantially at this point. The only one that might be interesting, Dos Anjos has seen better years, right? But Dos Anjos could avenge that one. But you get what I'm saying? I think Justin Gaethje beats him pretty good. I think Poirier beats him pretty good. All those guys Gaethje. are. He beat Gaethje yeah, he the first time around. I know he did. But, but my but point is, I think now, I think both guys have kind of been better. Yeah, even better still, now. though, I, th- I think all of those fights that we mentioned could get either main event of fight night or co main event of pay per view. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. There are a million entertaining fights for Eddie Alvarez. That's all Eddie knows how to do. Remember, a lot of people don't remember. Do you remember who he fought in his UFC debut, Gabby? A little trivia? Do you remember? I believe it was Donald Cerrone. Cowboy Cerrone, correct. Ding, ding, ding. Who gets the bell there? And he got beat. (laughs) He got beat, man. He got beat. Uh, This is back when Joe Rogan and I were a lot closer than we are now, and, and we were texting during the fight. You know what I mean? Because I had called Eddie Alvarez and Bellator. I was still with Bellator at the time. That I'm, and we're texting back and forth. And he goes, Cowboy's just better. I remember him texting that to me and going, dude, Cowboy's just better. You know? Because Eddie had, I think, first round he, he, he beat Cowboy. Right? Cowboy, a slow starter. Cowboy tends to start slowly. And then Cowboy started building up and getting warm and da-da-da-da and going after Eddie. And he won the, the second and third round and won the fight. But I remember that. His debut in the UFC was not great. He did not fight very well, did not get a win, and a lot of people thought that might be it for Eddie Alvarez. He came back and beat some really great fighters and got right back in it and eventually became champion, defeating Rafael Dos Anjos. But, man, his run, and the reason why those rematches are so interesting, he fought Cowboy Cerrone, he beat, uh, which he lost, all right? He beat Gilbert Melendez, he beat Anthony Pettis, he beat Rafael Dos Anjos, they lost to Conor McGregor. Then, <laughs> no contest with Dustin Poirier, a win over Justin Gaethje, a loss to Dustin Poirier, right? Folks, that is a murderer's row in the UFC. The only fights he had, Cowboy Cerrone, Gilbert Melendez, Anthony P- All right, by the way, uh, 
Donald Cerrone, perennial contender, and at the height of his powers right then. That's when Donald Cerrone, this was in 2014, was pretty much at his best. All right, Gilbert Melendez, title challenger. Anthony Pettis, former champion. Rafael Dos Anjos was the champion at the time, right? Then Conor McGregor, once again, at the height of his powers. Then Justin Gaethje, when Justin Gaethje was just coming up and, you know, wasn't quite what he is now, but he's still damn good. Then Dustin, obviously the no contest, Dustin Poirier's in there. And then Dustin Poirier again. Eight fights. Show me any fighter who had an eight-fight run in the UFC who fought talent of that level in every single fight. KOB, nobody. Nobody had that, like, it was such a short run in the UFC, but every single fight was a meat grinder. Every single fight was a banger or a contender or both, fair or not. Fair, and if you go before yeah. that, go to his Bellator days. Toby Abata, yeah. Yeah. Kakuno, Josh Neer, Roger Huerta, Pat Curran, Michael Chandler lost that one, rebounds against Shinya Aoki, Patricky Pitbull, Michael Chandler win, and then he goes to the UFC. Like, yeah. Dude, the guy just... <laughs> Dude, this was actually... Uh, leads perfect to the question I was going to ask you anyway. Like, where do you put Eddie Alvarez all-time among lightweights? I know he didn't have a, whole, a long hold on the UFC title, but when you look at the yeah. names he beat, how many former champions, how many belts he won across different promotions, where do you put him on that list? Um, Yeah, I put him just outside the best of the best. I do. And also, I go back far enough to remember that Aaron Riley was a bad mother effer when he fought him. Joachim Hellboy Hansen, that name doesn't mean anything to a lot of people. It does to me. That guy was really, really tough. Uh, Tatsuya Kawajiri, back in his prime in 2008. So, so when he was fighting in Japan, he fought some bad dudes that you might know, not know who they are now. I do. Those were bad guys, man. Really bad. The dude was, was, was really incredible. And so I put him just outside. Like, and, and one thing, too, to, to, to keep in mind here is um, 155 has, as, as Khabib is, you know, right now number one, but Khabib never had a long run at, at 155. 155 has always been a very tough weight class to have sustained success in the UFC. So as you sit here and you go, well, I know he didn't have sustained success in the UFC. At the championship level, very few fighters did. It's what, a, a, a three-way tie for number one with, with three title defenses, right? BJ Penn had it, uh, Frankie, no, it's a four-way tie. BJ Penn, Frankie Edgar, Benson Henderson, and Khabib all had three title defenses. Folks, it, it's, it's just hard to stay on top at 155. So my number one all-time is Khabib. My number two all-time is probably BJ Penn, and that's probably because I remember how incredibly talented and gifted that guy was. Then I'd say Benson Henderson. Then I'd go Frankie, probably Eddie's number five. And that's without me diving into, like, Shuto back in the day where I would say maybe, like, a prime Takanori Gomi, a prime um, Shaolin Hibero, Jay-Z Kavakanch. I'm kind of staying out of the, the old-school Japan days, but incredible stuff. I, as I said about Carlos Sparza, we, and I mean we as a fan base, claim to love fighters like Carla Esparza who never got anything handed to him, who worked their way up, who fought everybody, fought the people nobody wanted to fight, blah, 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 blah. She has one boring fight, and we all turn on her. Boo, you suck. We as fans can be a little bit hypocritical. We claim to love, and Dana White claims to love, fighters like Eddie Alvarez, who leave everything in the octagon and give it everything they have, da-da-da-da-da, win or lose, the guy goes for it. Yeah. 
but is he really worth the money? Now, Dana White's a businessman. Unlike the MMA fan base that can be fickle and don't do this for a living, Dana White has to make intelligent business decisions. Is it an intelligent business decision to pay a lot of money, because he is a free agent with a lot of experience, he's going to cost a lot of money. Is it worth bringing him on to have him have a bunch of rematches, maybe be a gatekeeper, never fight for a title? Is it worth it? Dana White's got to make that choice. But I think he does have exciting fights should he come back. MMA on SiriusXM is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. Plus, catch Unlocking the Cage weekdays from 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern and MMA Today Tuesday to Thursday from 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation, Channel 156, and on the SXM app. SiriusXM Podcasts.